Good morning. I'm Duarte Geraldino. And I'm Shamita Basu. This is Apple News Today. Each morning, hear about some of the most fascinating stories in the news and how the world's best journalists are covering them. But first, let's catch up with some of the day's top headlines. The Food and Drug Administration authorized the use of blood plasma from people who've recovered from COVID-19 as a possible treatment for the disease. Its efficacy remains unclear. Kellyanne Conway will be leaving her post as a senior advisor to the president at the end of the month, citing a need to spend time with her family. And protests erupted in Kenosha, Wisconsin, after police shot a black man multiple times on Sunday evening. The Wisconsin Department of Justice says the officers involved have been placed on administrative leave. We begin today with a look ahead to the Republican National Convention. Tonight, you're going to see the GOP start making the case for Trump to get four more years in the White House. But unlike in 2016, this time around, President Trump can't campaign as an outsider. So as Ashley Parker in The Washington Post writes, the president's pivot from first-time candidate to incumbent may be challenging. In 2016, Trump's argument was the country was broken, that Washington was corrupt, and he famously argued he alone could fix it. But now that he's president, that rhetoric doesn't hold up. The Trump campaign is running ads right now that splice together scenes of protests and fires in the streets, chaos, crime, warning voters, quote, you won't be safe in Joe Biden's America. The radical left-wing mob's agenda? Take over our cities, defund the police, pressure more towns to follow, and Joe Biden stands with them. Cutting police funding. But of course, Trump is in the Oval Office, and it's literally what's happening in Donald Trump's America. So this is going to be an interesting needle for him to thread this week at the RNC. Win or lose this November, Trump has fundamentally reshaped the Republican Party. Longtime Washington reporter Gerald F. Saeb offers this analysis in The Wall Street Journal. He writes, For nearly four decades, the Republican Party was the party of Reagan. It was defined by fiscal conservatism, small government, intellectual depth, and civility. Mm -hmm. But in action, Trump appears to be at odds with traditional conservative beliefs. Conservative journalist Britt Hume is calling Saeb's analysis one of the most intelligent pieces he's ever seen on Trump's influence on the GOP. As Saeb puts it, in 2016, Trump understood something about Republican voters that other Republican presidential candidates didn't. He understood that a growing number of working and middle-class Republicans felt ignored. They felt left out. And that previous conservative economic policies were not helping them. And with that came a so-called new gospel of populism and nationalism. And now, Saeb writes, there's simply no way to put Trumpism back into the bottle. You only have about 70 days to decide who should be in the White House. And as overwhelmed as you may feel, Consider the plight of the people in charge of running elections during a pandemic. Do you know trolls are coming after election administrators threatening and harassing them? 
And those threats are coming from people with all kinds of political motivations on the right and on the left. ProPublica talks about what happened in Kentucky's June primary. The county had made the decision to have only one polling place in Louisville. And once that news got out, some pretty high-profile people started to talk about it. People like LeBron James and Representative Ilhan Omar. They tweeted about it, uh, pretty outraged, accusing Kentucky of intentionally disenfranchising voters. ProPublica talked to the director of Kentucky's Board of Elections, Jared Deering, and he said his office was flooded with calls from people cursing them out. One caller even suggested staff members should be lynched. You know, the irony here is ProPublica is reporting having only one polling place in Louisville actually ended up going smoothly. The convention center where it was held was sprawling. There were several locations where voters could submit ballots. And because of all that space, they could actually socially distance. Election officials offered free buses to get people there, and the Democratic Party, which had criticized Louisville and warned of issues with voting, praised local administrators. This menacing behavior, these threats, it's happening across the country. One county election administrator who spoke to ProPublica said his office gets multiple calls a day from people who are angry about mail-in voting, saying it leads to voter fraud, even though, to be clear, those claims have been disproven. The other thing is ProPublica looked into the calls that different elections offices were getting, and many of them have been coming from people who live outside of their jurisdiction. One county clerk told ProPublica staff members are trying their best under unusually difficult circumstances. And the last thing they need is to answer the phone and get death threats just for doing their job. In New York City, which is the largest school district in the country, teachers are threatening to go on strike rather than return to the classroom in a few weeks. Two teachers at a Brooklyn high school wrote a piece in The Atlantic explaining why they feel like their city is setting them up to fail. Those two teachers are Katie Moylan and David Shepard. And they say they both want to teach in the classroom and that teachers know better than anyone else the importance of in-person instruction. Mm -hmm. But these teachers are really worried about New York City's current hybrid plan to reopen schools. They say they're hearing contradicting messages from the Department of Education. On one hand, the city is promising buildings will be properly ventilated, that there will be more nurses and enough custodial staff to disinfect buildings. City officials also say every school will have enough personal protective equipment. But these teachers argue the city isn't being upfront about the number of educators who got sick with COVID-19 in the spring. And they say there still hasn't been enough preparation or training on how to stay safe this fall. So as these teachers see it, a strike might be the only option, but it comes with huge risks. There's a New York City law called the Taylor Law. It was passed in 1967. Mm -hmm. It specifically bans public employees like teachers from going on strike. Now, if they do, they'll be penalized, dock two days pay for every day they missed, and union leadership can face jail time. Even knowing all that... These two teachers say striking may still be worth it right now. This is about their health, their students' health, their families. Now, they do support a plan that came from the city council's education committee. It proposes a phased reopening. The youngest children would go to school full time while older students would stay remote and high schools would only open up once it's clear that the city infection rates are low enough. 
But given the current plan, these two teachers say educators are being dealt an unsafe and unfair hand. And finally, today, the city of Los Angeles and basketball fans everywhere will pause to remember Kobe Bryant on the day that's become known as Kobe Day. Today's date, 824, those two numbers are the numbers Kobe wore during his NBA career. Yesterday would have been his 42nd birthday. And tonight in Game 4 of the playoffs, the Lakers will wear their Black Mamba uniforms. Kobe designed those uniforms. One of the players, Anthony Davis, had a really close relationship with Kobe. He was a mentor to him. He told the L.A. Times, quote, anytime we step on the floor, we play for his memory. And he says if the team wins this year's championship, it'll be for Kobe. You can find all those stories and more on the Apple News app. And all this week, Apple News is offering special coverage of the Republican National Convention. We'll have nightly live blogs and wrap-ups of speeches, plus reactions and key moments. Visit the Apple News app every evening to find that and more. We'll talk with you again tomorrow. <laughs>